What a good start. Amen. We could almost pray and dismiss and get on out of here, couldn't we? Uh, but we're going to stay true to what God's Word says. And, um, we're going to dive in this morning. If you remember, if you were here last week, if you're not, if this has been the first time you've been, um, God has kind of given us our direction for 2020. And um, we're going to be focusing, we started last week and this week and next week, we'll be focusing on three ideas um, that I feel is really going to drive home our, our mission here at Chestnut Mountain Church. And what we focused on last week was, was groups. This week we'll be talking about going, and next week we'll be sharing about giving. But what I found out is um, what God has kind of aligned is these, these three ideas of groups going and giving are going to be the very three strategies that we use in order to accomplish the mission that God has placed in front of us to saturate the world with the good news. Um, and I tell you, it was so encouraging um, last week. And it was just almost every time I turned around, um, God was revealing the, 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 the impact of, of, again, his character. Because we know his heartbeat and his desire is for us to be involved in a, in a community, in a group. And, and we looked last week at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and we, we looked at the purpose of being in a group. And we noticed in those three guys' lives, we started at four, because we started with Daniel. But we know the four things that those, that small group did together was that they, they prayed together, number one. The second thing we noticed they did was they stood together. But then they walked through fire together. But then in the victorious side, they came out of the fire together. And, you know, before I even got home last week, I was already getting messages of, of just the testimonies of what groups has meant to certain people. I got this one on Sunday afternoon and said, hey, Pastor Brian, thank you so much for the No Way series. It has really spoken to us closely over the last two weeks. John and Lynn have constantly talked to us about joining groups and having people to do life with as well as Johnny and Lindsay. Coincidentally, today was our first day joining a group. We attended Marty and Tracy's group, which was an amazing experience. We have never felt so loved and cared for by our church family as we have felt from the people of Chestnut. It's a special feeling that's so indescribable and hard to fathom. Thanks again for all the love and the prayers, and we are forever grateful to have found a church home where we feel like we belong. The key element to that was they got connected. And some of you may be walking through a season where you're having a hard time getting connected. All I can ask you to do is stay faithful. Stay faithful. You're not always going to connect in the first place you land. But God will begin to open other doors. God will begin to show you different places here that will allow you to get connected. It was even yesterday morning. We had our men's breakfast. And I had a, had a young man come and share with me and and he told me, he sat at a table of, of a group of about four men, four to five men. And he said, I just got to share with you what happened today. I said, all right. And he said, you know, he said, I've been working at the same company for X number of years. And he said, we do prayer and devotion together in the mornings. But he said, it's taken me a very long time to where I feel like I can open up and be myself in front of these guys. And he said, but this morning, he said, I sat at a group of table, a, a table with a group of men that I had no idea who they were. But God, by the power of the Spirit, allowed me to basically share my heart with these men. And he said, that's only something God can do. That's only something God could do. Even this week, I was, I don't want to say I 
got to walk with them, but uh, I had the opportunity to be with the family as they were experiencing death in their family. And what blew my mind is, yes, there was blood relatives that were there, but what was so encouraging to me is that every time that door opened, here came another church family member. Here came another member from a small group. Here came another member from the church. And guys, I just want you to understand that that, that is God's heartbeat. He wants you to be surrounded by people. And just as we did a moment ago, that's what the church looks like. Just as Brandon said just a moment ago, we want this to be a place that it's okay to not be okay. This is a place that's okay to not be okay. But today what we're going to do is we're going to start a journey looking at the, at the idea of going. And... You know, what's, what's always interesting to me is, is we're not going to, a lot of times when, when pastors or you hear messages about going, we always go to Matthew 28 and we always talk about the commandment that Jesus gave. And what we find is, is the very same commandment that God gives all throughout the Old Testament to the people he empowered to go. And so we're not going to talk about whether we're supposed to go or not. That's already very clear. That's already been commanded that we are to go. Matthew 28, he does. He tells the disciples, Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. So what we're really going to focus on and what God has sort of led us down the, the road to talk about today is not necessarily if we're supposed to go or not, but where do we go and why do we go? And those are the two things that I feel that God has laid on my heart to address today is the where we go and the why we go. You know, many of us sat around the TV for a little while on Monday night and watch a college football game. How many of you made it through the entire game? I'm putting my hand down. I didn't make it through the first quarter. Literally did not make it through the first quarter. But you know, as, as God laid kind of this passage on my heart um, Monday morning early, I, I was watching somewhat of the football game and, and I began to be drawn to the idea of, of, of just how big of a deal Monday night was. You had thousands among thousands of people pouring into a stadium but what compelled them to go to the stadium was greatness. Was a bunch of unbelievable athletes, a bunch of unbelievable coaches. And we saw thousands among thousands of people pour into the stadium and go and watch excellence. That's why they went, was because of greatness. Think back, maybe in some, for some of us in our younger years, maybe some of you currently now, but... When we go to a concert, why do we go to a concert? Because we're going to see greatness. We're going to see somebody that has talent, that has ability, that absolutely a lot of times leaves us, leaves us speechless because of their greatness. You know, and for all of you teeny boppers and now and, and old time teeny boppers, I know back in my day, it used to, I, for whatever reason, would get jealous when all the high school girls would want to go see um, the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> but man, come on, why do you want to go see them? Look at all the guys we got here at school. You don't need to go see them, guys. Then it was NSYNC. Then it was, um, who were some other, somebody, oh, new kids on the block. Oh, quit clapping. Oh my gosh, those are the very people that made me so mad. But even in that, they went to see greatness. But all of those teenage girls, 
There was much more to it than just wanting to see greatness. There was that hope. And just that chance that he would recognize me. And then he would fall madly in love with me. And in front of thousands of people would ask me to marry him. And look, there's a lot of women in the room now that are still that way about Tim Tebow. Look, if you're married, you better not be saying, Woo! That could be an issue. But what compels our society, what compel, compels our culture to go, is because we seek greatness. And we, we seek just that there's a chance we might get noticed. You say, well, Brian, what in the world does this have to do with us going there? What, what does this have to do with the character of God? What does this have to do with who God is? What does this have to do with, with where we're supposed to go and why we're supposed to go? What I want you to understand is the scenarios that I just played out, what they have to do with God's character are absolutely nothing. You say, well, what in the world do you know about that? You see, what compelled God to go was the exact opposite of greatness. Was the exact opposite of a group of people that had it all together. What compelled God to send his only son Jesus to die, it was not so that he was hoping that there was just a chance that we might notice him. The reason that God sent his only son Jesus is because we were far from great. We were far from having it all together. But why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come and rescue us was simply for love. That was what has compelled Him to go. It, matter of fact, was the exact opposite of greatness. What God saw was He saw a group of people who were hopeless, who were lifeless, and who had no eternity with Him. And this is why he went. This is why he told Jesus to go. He said, you go. Because without you, they don't have any hope. Without you, they don't have any life. So son, I want you to go rescue them. So what we're going to see today in this story that we're going to be talking about is God doesn't go to the great. God goes to the lost. God doesn't go to those who have it all together. God comes to us because we're a mess. God comes to us because we don't have it all together. How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you are thankful that we didn't have to have it all together in order for God to pursue us. In order for God to come after us. That He came after us even in spite of who we are. But what I love about this is the more we understand this love, the more we understand this sacrifice, our faith will be transformed into action. The more we understand the character of God. And you know, that's what God has kind of spoke to my heart all week is, is I thought it was my job to stand up here and tell you to go. And, and God said, no, I've already told them that. 
You go and talk about me. You go and talk about my character. You go and talk about my heartbeat. And then, Brian, what your role in it is from that point on is you just pray that the Holy Spirit of God does the rest. You just point them to me. You just point them to me and let my spirit do the rest. You know, I get in arguments with God a lot about where he wants me to share from. And again, as I shared last week, when he, he led us to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with the idea of groups, I was like, I know that's not going to work. That's not, that's not really about groups. You know, it's the end, blah, blah, blah. Well, we see that God won that one. This week, as I began to pray on Monday morning, I said, God, well, where, where do you want us to go? I know we're talking about going, but God, I, where, where do you want us to come from in your word? And, and God began to reveal to me where he wanted me to go. And, and as I looked in the book, I read it and I read it and I read it and nothing. Read it, read it, read it, nothing. I would pray, God, what are you trying to show me? God, what is here? God, what are you trying to make clear? And I love that a lot of times that God just honors our persistency. That maybe even when we're, we're not hearing him, we're not watching him, we're not seeing him. But all God is calling for us to do is to be faithful. And so I sat in my living room recliner on Monday morning going, okay, God, I don't see it. I would pray. God, I don't see it, but God, I know this is where you're leading me. God, I know this is where you want us to go. And then all of a sudden, it's just like a light bulb. And there it is. And when y'all hear what I'm about to share, you're going to realize how ignorant this little guy is. Because it's pretty black and white. And you're thinking, how in the world did you even miss that? Because you're using the word go. Well, you'll, you'll see in just a minute. I want you to flip to the book of Hosea. Flip to the book of Hosea. And what I want you to keep in mind is there's a lot of times that we see in Jesus' teachings in the New Testament that he would oftentimes use stories that would help us just understand a concept. But what I want you to understand is this is not some made-up story. The story that we're going to look at today is an actual lifelike story, a, 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 a man's life in which God spoke, God gave him direction, and his job in that was to be obedient to that. And so what I want you to do today is Keep that in mind. And what we're going to see is, is we're going to see through the life of Hosea that what God is illustrating is his relationship and his love that he had for Israel. And how we can relate to that is that is continuing on now is that when we look in the, the life of Hosea, what we see is God's desire even for us as his children. But what we're also going to see is the length in which God is willing to go to show that, to prove that. So I want you to look with me in Hosea chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse, verses 1 and go through, through verse 3 to begin with. It says, The word of the Lord which came to Hosea, the son of Beri, during the days of Uzziah and Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah, king of Judah, and during the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Basically, God's about to have a conversation with Hosea. Don't worry about all those names right now. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, see how slow this little guy is? He said, go! You know how many times I miss that? This whole idea of today is about going. And I can't tell you how many times I skimmed right over the word go. And God said, there it is. But he tells Hosea to go. 
Take to yourself a wife of harlotry and have children of harlotry for the land that commits flagrant harlotry forsaking the Lord. Verse 3. So he went and he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. What you'll notice is if you continue to read on in that story, it didn't stop with just a son. He ends up having two sons and a daughter with this lady, Gomer. But God speaks the very first word that he says to Hosea. He tells him to go. He tells him to go. The very same word that Jesus tells his disciples in the New Testament. He tells them to go and make disciples. He's telling Hosea, you're going to go and I want you to rescue this woman named Gomer. But if you noticed a moment ago, as we shared, we're not going to focus a lot on whether we should go or not. We already see that. It's very clear, but we're going to look at where we go and why we go. And what we see in verse 2 is God gives Hosea his assignment. God tells Hosea where he is to go. And we saw that it says that you will go and marry a wife of harlotry. Depending on which translation of God's word you're reading, you're going to hear that spoke about in different, in different words. Mine, it says a wife of harlotry. Some of your Bibles probably say go and marry her who is a prostitute. Some of yours may say that go and, and marry her who is a wife of whoredom. I don't know about you, but there's really no way to sugarcoat that name. There's really no way to make that sound pleasant. We tried in all different translations, but the bottom line is he is telling Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. You know, we're in this series called No Way. We want God to instruct us to do things that leave us saying, no way I can do that. Well, I wonder in this moment, as God spoke to Hosea, and he told Hosea, hey, I want you to go marry a prostitute. I want you to go to marry a wife of whoredom. Is that man in his mind going, no way. No way. And look, these would have been easy excuses. No way. I deserve better than that. God, are you kidding me? You want me to go marry this lady who, who is unfaithful? You want me to go marry a lady who is living in sin, actively living in sin? God, you want me to go marry a lady who in our culture deserves to be stoned to death? God, that's no, no way, God. You don't want me to do that. And not only do you want me to marry her, you want me to have kids with her. God, there's no way you could be asking me to do this. And so what we read all throughout the, the book of Hosea is we see that Hosea had to continually make sacrifices to be obedient. You know, we don't read about this exactly. The, 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 it doesn't say this per se, but think about it. In order for Hosea to be obedient with what God was instructing him to do, he had to sacrifice his pride. He had to sacrifice his plans. He had to sacrifice his prestige in order to go marry this lady who didn't line up with his morals, if you would. But you know, as we're growing in our faith in Christ as a body of believers, is hopefully you're getting connected in a group and you're growing in relationships with the people that God places around you. 
I hope these are the very things that God is going to ask you to do. Not necessarily to that extent per se, not in that context, but I am praying that God is going to instruct you, that God is going to tell you to go, and your first response is, no way. No way, God, are you calling me to do that. And you know, when we know that God is going to call all of us to different places, that word go is going to look different to all of us. You know, maybe right now you are going. Maybe the door that God has opened for you at your workplace is where God has instructed you to go. Or maybe God has called you. Here's a, here, here's a difficult one. Maybe God has called you to go to that family member. You're already going on. No way. Let's just be honest. Trying to share our faith and the gospel with family members is probably the toughest mission field out there. But what I love is Jesus begins to, to lay this out. He begins to, to lay the foundation of where God can and will call us. And I want you to look at Acts 1-8 with me right quick. Flip over to Acts 1-8, the passage that many of you have heard. Um, if you weren't here Wednesday night as an adult, I would encourage you. Um, if you've not been a part of established, again, it's another opportunity for you to be plugged into groups, to be plugged in a, into a small community. Um, on Wednesday nights, all of our adults meet in here. I think this week there was about 40 adults, and, and B.B. is simply walking through the book of Acts right now. But what I love most about what B.B.'s doing and, and what, what God is doing in that small group environment is what you hear a lot of believers saying, I don't know what that means. That's healthy. That is healthy when we as believers can get together and say, you know what? I don't know everything that's in this book. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray, we're going to read, and we're going to grow in God's Word together. Because I've talked with so many people that walked out of their Wednesday night and they said things like, I never knew that's what that meant. I never knew that's what that was talking about. That's the purpose of established. So great job, B.B. I don't know where he's at, but praise God. But if you're not involved in that adult, be in here on Wednesday nights at 630. Uh, but, but as we look at Acts 1-8, we see that Jesus kind of lays the foundation of where he can and will call us. In Acts 1-8, he says, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. You know, I did mention this, and this was not in the notes at all, but one thing I want to be careful that we do right here, even with what Jesus is speaking. He says, you go as the Holy Spirit leads you. Okay? And here's, here's where I kind of want to spend a little, just a second for you. I want you to understand that when we provide opportunities for you to go, when we provide places for you to be sent, this is not in order for you to do something to make God happy with you. And I'll completely be transparent. If the Holy Spirit of God is not leading you to go, you better stay put. I don't want you to go somewhere just so that you can check it off a box thinking that you've got to somehow make God happy. That you've got to somehow do this so that God will be pleased with you. You've got to understand when Jesus said it is finished, that's what pleased him. But why we are compelled to go is the fact that he said it is finished. So I don't want you to go because you think you can make God happy. 
You've heard me say many times that J.D. Greer says that, that in Christ there's nothing I can do to make Him love me more. And there's nothing that I have done that can make Him love me less. You see, we can't go to the Paul. We can't go to our next door neighbor in order to make God love us more. But when we understand that love, that is what compels us to go. But Jesus lays the foundation of where he can send us. He talks about Jerusalem. What that would mean for me and you is our local neighborhood. God will call you to your neighbor. God will call you to the person that lives across the street from you. God will call you to that person that you see every single day of your life. Your Judea. That is now we see the community. That's our city. That is where God has placed you and your family. Samaria, we know that it just continues to grow. This would be your country. This would be your nation. But what I love about this that I've never even noticed before, but the meaning behind God wanting to send us to Samaria, the reason that, we, that Jesus mentions Samaria is that we knew that he was going to be sending Jews to talk about their newfound faith in Christ. What you have to understand is Samaria was the most dreaded place for a Jew to go. It was the most intimidating environment for a Jew to be sent. So what that tells me is there is a good possibility that the Spirit of God will lead you to your most intimidating place. That the Spirit of God will lead you to the place that you least want to go. Now that could be your neighbor. That could be the family member. That could be a lost people group on the other side of the world. Again, everybody's go is going to look different. And so as, as our staff and as our team pray and we, we see what our role is in all of this, is our job is to provide you with opportunities to go. Our job is to provide you with chances to saturate the world with the good news. That's why we do send Sunday. That's why in December we sent out 600 people to go feed over 2,500 people. And so for that, I want to say thank you. That you heard your assignment and you did just as Hosea did and you went. Thank you for being obedient to what God has spoken to you to do. We give opportunities to do block parties in our local community. We give you opportunities to, to go and serve at Good News at noon. We try to equip you on ways to share the gospel with your neighbor. How to be light in a dark world. But what I'm excited about is four opportunities that we've got coming up to, to provide you to go internationally. To get on an airplane and possibly go to the other side of the world and to share this name of Jesus. Some of you are already checked out. You're going, no, that ain't me. You know what? I love it when you respond to that. Because that's when I start praying, and that's when God starts moving. And when I've seen God use people the most, the conversation always started with, you didn't get me on that airplane. We always say things like this, and look, I'm not trying to get into conviction. There's plenty of lost people beside my house. But the problem is, are you sharing the gospel with them? So our job is to provide you, to stretch you, to give you opportunities to go and share your faith. You know, just at the end of February, I think the last day of February, Scott O'Brien and 
Nick Glazier will be taking a group of men to Nicaragua where they'll be putting their hands to the plow and they'll be doing missions that God has called them to go. They receive their assignment. They're going. There's other men from the church that will be going on that team. And in June, we'll be going to, to Nepal. We'll be sending a team from Chestnut Mountain to Nepal where we'll be distributing water filters. But more important, that we'll be sharing the gospel. Then in the fall, again, a team will be going back to Nicaragua to do some of the very same stuff that they'll be doing next month or two months from now. And then in the fall, also, we'll be sending another team to Cambodia to where we will be um, providing eyeglasses and helping people see for the very first time. But more importantly, praying that the scales fall from their eyes and that they see who God is. And we'll be sharing the gospel with them. You know... But what I know for me, what I know for my family is, is in 2020 right now, my assignment is God's called me to go to Nepal this year. So June 4th, I'll be taking myself and my oldest son, because I shared last week, Cooper said, nope, I'm good. He didn't want to go. So I'm taking Cooper, or I mean taking Brock this year. And so, you know, some of you may be saying, well, that, that's just foreign to me. There's no, that, that, there's no way that God wants me to get on an airplane because, number one, I really don't know what goes on. I really don't know what it looks like. I don't know what all it takes. Well, I'm glad you said that because there'll be a meeting immediately following this service in this room where, where Dwight's going to kind of share the vision and the heart behind what we'll be doing in Nepal. But, but even to take it a step further, I've got a video that I want you to pay attention to that's going to be on the screens right quick. And this will just kind of give you an idea of what will be going on in Nepal June 4th through the 12th. If you'll just turn your attention to the screen. To be king on the road when I first fell Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell Met a ghost of a king on a road Words of fire He said, you are a lonely soul With a heart of stone That rakes against your thirsty bones Such a lonely soul Said I can show you what I can say you but we need to go where no chariot can take you where the river meets the sand you know you they come in you encounter them and they're so down and they have so much weight on them and that's what we know is them being lost and then you're able to share the gospel with them you're able to share a testimony with them about how God has moved in your life you see people come from death to life and you see people that are lost become saved and you see that they're found in Jesus Christ. So I followed the ghost of a king with every step I tried to see beyond for trace the riverside but restlessness was my prize And then we came upon a golden shore but the voice of I'm coming from a ghost no more My heart of stone came alive When my eyes were opened up And I saw that I had come Where no 
biggest blessing was giving out the water filters. We saw the quality of the water was not good for these families and being able to give them this water filter for 10 years of clean water was really a big blessing for us just to be a part of that. And it really allowed us to transition into the gospel really easily that we gave them this gift and then they were more, more receptive to what we had to say. We were just sharing our stories with them and really just wanting to bless their lives because of that. There's something in the water must have brought me back, it brought me back, it brought me back to children die each year due to unclean water. We also know that they are dying spiritually because less than 2% of people in Nepal know about Jesus. So it's cool because we get to bring in water filters, but it's even cooler that we get to bring in everlasting water, bring in that gift and teach them that Jesus will be the only thing that will satisfy them for eternity. You know, I would just begin and pray and ask God that if you would ask God what your assignment is. What is your assignment? Could this be part of it? You know, I'm so thankful for the people around, um, around our family here that, that have, have said yes to their assignment. You know, we sent out 600 people on Sin Sunday to people who said yes. Um, Brianna Clark is going to be in Taiwan. Anna Miner is going to be in Europe. We've got a group of men who are going to Nicaragua. And, We'll be sending a team to Nepal and Cambodia. But the question is, is what will you do when God gives you your assignment? What will you do when the presence of God speaks and He directs? I love how Hosea responds. Flip back to the book of Hosea and we see very quickly how he responds. God gives him some far-fetched instructions. Go marry a prostitute, have her, have her children. But we see in verse 3, the Bible says that he responds and it says, So he went. So he went. <laughs> you know, I want us to close this morning as we look at just that last point of everything we've talked about up to this point is where we go, but I want us to very quickly look at why we go. Because we do know that when we go, that there's going to be sacrifices that have to be made. And, and what we see through the life of Hosea and Gomer, that, that when we go, that, that there are going to be costs that have to be paid. And I'm, and I'm not even talking financially. But, you know, that's what I love about, about God. That's what I love about a, a true leader. A true leader is never going to ask of his people what he's not willing to do himself. And that's sacrifice. So God is going to call us to sacrifice. And you know, if this story ended here, 
If this story ended in verse 3, or, or let's say in chapter 1, where he goes and has the, the children of, of, of Gomer, we could all kind of say this is sort of the hallmark ending. He was obedient. Everything went as planned. Great. Beautiful. But we know that's not how this story ends. We know that this is not how this story ends. That even though Hosea pursued Gomer, he chased after her. He tried to do everything he could to provide for her. We know what happens in this story. And if you don't know, I would encourage you to go read it. Because you're never going to see God's character more exemplified than you will in this book. In this one single book of Hosea. Very short. But even in the spite of rejection, God continues to pursue Israel. Even though Gomer rejected Hosea, what we're going to see is the next instruction that God gives him is even though you're being rejected, even though she wants nothing to do with what you're offering, you keep going. You keep going. So look at what happens in chapter 3. Gomer has returned back to her old ways. She has attempted to step back into the, the prostitution ring. She's a, attempted to actively jump back into sin. She's rejected love. She's rejected this pursuit. And now she wants to go back to the woman that she once was. So we see in chapter 3, it says, Then the Lord said to me, this is Hosea talking, Go again. Go again and love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and they love raisin cakes. Oh, it really says that. Don't everybody. I wish it had said Debbie cakes. That's we're not going to we're not going to dive into raisin cakes. That's a whole other story in and of itself. But it literally says they served other gods and they love raisin cakes. Anyway, yeah, sorry. That's where my you tell where my mind stays. So I bought for her myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. So we see that it cost Hosea. You know, when we read that, we read what it cost him. It cost him 15 shekels of silver and some barley. But what we have to understand is, like I said just a moment ago, that a, a true leader is never going to ask of his people to not do something that he's not willing to do himself. What, we, what you have to know in the context of this passage is said that he paid 15 shekels for Gomer. He paid 15 shekels to buy her back. But there's a problem with that. The going rate in that market was that a slave was being sold not for 15 shekels and some barley, but a, a slave was being sold for 30 shekels of silver. All he had was 15. So you see this man, he's being obedient. He's, he's emptied his pockets and he says, God, here's all I've got. I want to buy this lady back. I've only got 15 and maybe I can scrounge up some barley. But, he, but here's what I know that this is going to cost me. This is going to cost me everything. You do know that God, to, to reconcile us back to Him, the price He was willing to pay was everything. So what He's asking of Hosea to do is nothing different than what He did Himself. But believers, let me ask you today, what are we willing to sacrifice? 
What are we willing to pay to rescue? What are we willing to do in order to go? But you know, the fact that, that Gomer is being sold is a whole nother story. She attempted to step back into the, the ring of prostitution to go back into doing what she was doing, but now she's being sold. You know what that tells us? That she couldn't even sell herself anymore. She was not desired anymore. She had become unforgettable. She had become forgettable to people. So a lot of times when God calls us to go, He's going to call us to the people who've been forgotten about. He's going to call us to go to the other side of the world where the name of Jesus has never been heard. He's going to call us to go to places where people have been forgotten. And that person that could be forgotten could be that work person that's beside you in your cubicle at the office. That person could feel forgotten. But who is that person in your life that, that God is going to send you to? But when God begins to reveal those forgotten people, when God begins to reveal where you are to go, will you go? You say, well, Brian, you really still haven't answered the why. I get it that it's going to that he's going to give me an assignment. I get it that it's going to cost me, but I still don't really understand why. <coughs> we as believers, the reason we go is very simple. Because he did. The reason we go is because he did. We go in response. We go in gratitude. We go because we are thankful that when we were without hope, Christ came and became our hope. We go because when we were in chains of bondage, He came to set us free. And I don't know about you, but man, I'm just thankful He went. that I know I was lost but God loved me enough he looked at his son and he said God I want you to go rescue Brian I want you to go rescue Aaron I want you to go rescue Emily I want you to go rescue Christy I want you to go rescue guess what Jesus did? <laughs> he went. He went. But the question is, is, will you go? Who did God send to you? Because you do know we, we, we love to get behind this mission statement of Go and saturate the world with the good news. It sounds great. But you do realize that it is not good news unless somebody hears it. 
It's not good news unless we talk about it. It's not good news unless we share it. It's not good news unless we tell it. Who told you? Who told you the good news? Who did God place in your life as a, as a co-worker or a Sunday school teacher or a preacher that told you? You know, I had a, a, I'll end with this. And I know we're running a little bit behind because we got all spiritually prayed for people. Sorry, but not sorry. But the first time that I ever really truly understood what it meant for somebody to hear the name of Jesus that's never heard it before, transformed me forever. We were in Cambodia on a mission trip and and I remember watching these people that worship the false god of Buddha walking in. And many of them looked at us like they hated our guts. But we were giving them eyeglasses. So guess what? They loved us for just a little while. And I remember as they, one of the groups transitioned to the gospel tent to where we would actually share the gospel with them. You saw the little the blocks that you saw the kids playing with. And that is one of the tools that we will use to share the gospel because... They love seeing pictures. They relate better to pictures. And I remember watching this little Buddhist lady, probably in her late 70s. I don't know how old she was, but she sat in that tent. She sat on the front row and just, just angry. And I remember watching Sydney with, a, with the Avenger Cube, and she began to tell this about four minute story of who Jesus was. And I watched the power of the gospel come to life. I watched this lady just sit there with anger. And as she began to hear that there was a Savior who died, who came to rescue her, then when God told him to go, he went. I watched all of a sudden the wrinkles on her forehead went relaxed. And instead of being aggressive and looking this way, she sat up in her seat. And I watched her eyes open just a moment I saw this little lady with tears rolling down her face because see she's lived in a world where she's been told that she's got to do all these things and hopefully please a God she's never heard that there's a God who did for her and then the way we get them to respond is they've got their little registration sheet and we will ask them if you want to choose to follow Christ today, if you want to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, then we want you to pray. But how we want to know that is we want you to rip off a little corner of your registration sheet. And we want you to throw it on the floor. And when we get your name, this is, lets us know the pastor can follow up with you because you've surrendered your life to Christ. And then their job is to come behind them and get them plugged in a church, plugged in a small group that's already existing in these villages. And I watched this little old lady with tears rolling down her face. And I watched her take that sheet in her little hands, just shaking. And I watched her with every little ounce of energy she had. She ripped it off and she dropped it. And in that moment, the Spirit of God said, you know what? It's much more than a piece of paper that just fell on the floor.
what just fell on the floor was the chain of bondage, was oppression, was forever being separated from a God who loves her. And with the corner of that sheet of paper represented victory. It represented that one day there was a man named Jesus who his father said, go and get him. And Jesus went. So church, all I'm asking for you to do today is what will you do when God tells you your assignment? Will you go? Will you go? I want you to stand to your feet and let's just pray. And all I'm simply asking for you to do today.